0: Okay, hey, welcome to the Maintaining a Healthy Body, uh, Body Weight workshop. Before we get started, we ask you to turn off all cell phones and electronic equipment. Uh, the session is being taped. Is that right? Okay. The session is being taped. Anyone wishing to share will be required to sign a speaker release form before sharing. and We have a, a sign-up sheet here. To protect anonymity, no photography, audio, and or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. My name is Melanie. I'm a compulsive overeater and your leader for this meeting. Hi, Hi everybody. Please join me in this serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I'll now read the promises from the book of Alcoholics Anonymous. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend serenity and we will know a new peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self pity will disappear. We will lose interest in our fellows and gain interest we will lose interest in ourselves and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. The format for this meeting is as follows. Three speakers will share for 15 minutes each. Then the Ask a Basket will be circulated for a 15-minute question and answer period. So I'll start circulating this just shortly before the last speaker finishes. Uh, we will then have an open sharing time as time allows. Once again, a topic of this workshop is maintaining a healthy body weight. Our first speaker is Sal.
1: Hi, my name is Sal. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi. Uh, I have uh, some, some pictures, hopefully, that will kind of help in my... Uh, conveying my uh, my story and also, okay, great. Here you go. And, um, uh, yes, once again, my name is Sal. I'm a compulsive over here. Let's see, trying to get some of the stuff out of the way. Um, uh, just before coming into program, I was probably around maybe 300 pounds, 290, 300. And, um, um, and obviously, through the grace of this uh, this, this program and God, I have been able to maintain my weight uh, again I've, for about now two years. So, uh, and I'm in a normal body weight. Um, when I crawled into OA, I wanted to know where, when, how, why I was a compulsive overeater. Um, but what I understand now or today is that I know who saved me, and that that who was a collective or a body of people, that it was um, a spirit that helped me, guide me, and continued to guide me in maintenance, you know, and even through the journey that I took to go from 290 down to, you know, to, the, to the way I am today. My um, my mother was over 200 pounds in her early childhood, and she replaced compulsive healthy eating with from what her what she originally had was you know again compulsive compulsive eating and but not necessarily healthy living you know how she chose to nourish her her family was through religious physical and um, and mental abuse Um, and that in my house it was literally a white knuckle diet you know, from from very early on, early age, and that, and I have to begin to ask myself certain questions. Was my mother the cause of my compulsive eating? You know, and the answer is really no, she wasn't. Um, between ages of three and five, I had some really unpleasant sexual experiences. Now, were these the the, the was this the cause or the catalyst of my compulsive eating? You know, the answer is is really no, it wasn't. Um, At the age of six, I can recall what I call today a chemically induced spiritual experience. And that's basically the the phenomenon of of craving based on the ingestion of sugar. Um, That What I found is that food takes me away from the true spiritual experiences that the steps bring. And that the food is just this illusion of that experience, and that somehow I believe in the illusion versus the truth. Um, I can recall one—it uh, was one Easter—and my mother was again this compulsive healthy eater, and so my grandmother convinced my mom, "Hey, let's uh, let's give him a, a chocolate rabbit. It's, it, it'll be okay." And I uh, I can remember that first bite. I can remember what that was like. And I had been, you know, I had been returning, been trying to return to the feeling of that initial bite. Um, Sometime in the late 70s, early 80s, my mother took me to my first Overeaters Anonymous meeting. And um, and just this perfect resentment was born. (laughs) Perfect. Now, you know, as we, as we went around the room and we were giving our, our names, my brother said our last name, Gomez. And the group's reaction was just astonishing. I was shocked because I thought at that moment that it was because I was Mexican, not because of the fact that we are an anonymous fellowship and that it doesn't really matter. And so, I was furious, and I thought, "There's no way I'm ever going to come back to this place again. No way." And so, the conflicts when I would look in the mirror, it's like I hated all of you white people. Unfortunately, I, I'm one of you. I, I look like you, you know. I hated myself. I, I mean, at this point in my life, I know it was again, the very, very young. Hated myself. So, um, now, the 4th of July is actually my, my birthday, my belly button birthday, and, you know, and I, it's a wonderful time of the year, not because of, I don't know, spending time with friends and family, but because of the picnics and barbecues. That's what I like. That's what I was turned on by. Now, during my birthday, my mother would give me, allow me to have anything in the way of food. It really didn't matter. So as any good compulsive overeater in my life, I would ask for my mother one half gallon of prelings and cream ice cream, and my grandmother would make me two pies every year. That's what I would ask for. Now, and really, and God forbid if I had to share it with anyone. <laughs> And it was like my, my gift and I didn't share it with anyone in the, in the room at all. It didn't matter who or how close my friends were. So um, I can remember a particular birthday where at the, at the end of the fireworks, I'm on the roof of my house and I had three quarters of that container finished. I was sick as a dog and, you know, I could not wait for the following year and I remember looking up at the stars and just thinking that and just knowing that that food was my higher power and sugar was my God Um, years later in in hypnotherapy I I thought that that ice cream was my problem you know what I understand today is that I am the problem I am and that I, have a, I do have a spiritual problem and that it centers in my mind and it affects how I think and how I feel. Coupled with an analogy of the body. That when I ingest certain foods, that's it, I'm off and running. Completely. I don't care about you, you, or anyone. I have three beautiful children. I don't care about them. I have a wife who I love who stuck by me when I was at my worst. I don't care. When I'm in the food, I just don't care about anyone. Um, I think I'm looking at 13 minutes and I think my time is up. So um, I I have some more but unfortunately um, it's going to run long. Am I? Okay, great. How much time do I have? Oh, great. My watch is fast. All right. Um, Okay, so perfect adherence to a um, health food diet escalated into purging. So, since I still had sugar in my diet, I just couldn't stop. Could not stop. And, and my weight just began to, to increase. As a, as a freshman in, in high school, my first girlfriend, she completely broke my heart. And, and from, that, from that event, because of the lack of tools, to function or deal with life, I began to isolate further and I began to just, my weight just began to increase. Now, I believe that our literature asks really good questions. The unfortunate part is that it may ask questions I really don't want to think about. You know, I just don't. And so I started to make these connections. What what, what is the connection between possibly the feelings of my first bite? and the feelings of my first love. And so, you know, perhaps it was his ex-girlfriend. I I don't know. But I I really started to look deeper, you know, begin to really exercise the solution as it's described on page 25 of the big book. You know, that self-searching, leveling of my pride and the confession of shortcomings. That it really centered in my parents. I love them so much. But, you know, my as a reflection of that relationship, I didn't really have a model of, of how to develop a relationship, let alone develop a relationship with food. So of course, in there, there was a separation in their, in their life. And so, at some point, whether it's this love of parents and the separation, I just lost the power of choice when it came to food. Um, I know that, that my reactions to life then, you know, affected my ability to surrender to a God of my understanding. And that three days before my 18th birthday, my mom asked me to leave. And, and that, that due to the, the, the continuance of the difficulty of dealing with life, my eating career, again, just took off leaps and bounds because I wasn't under the control of someone who was, in, in essence, trying to control their own food. So there were really no limitations in my life. I just kept going. Um, I began drinking to arrest my desire for food. Now, I, I believe it's important to discuss drinking alcohol in an OA meeting because the alcohol of choice that I, I, I would gravitate to was, was there were those that had large quantities of sugar and so I felt that this was this is like a clear indication that my eating career was just becoming something far worse just far worse and that in other areas of life this just seemed to be that okay um, Sorry, I'm going to try and go through some notes and try to figure out what I can do here. Um, okay. All right. So so where are the crossroads? You know, what I have found that the crossroads is, it exists in my own mind, maybe in my own heart as well. But it's, you know, I had to either choose to change every aspect of myself or continue to die slowly. You know, some of us, as it promises we we, we we get better quickly or sometimes slowly. I'm not sure exactly how it goes. But I knew with food, I was going to die slowly, and I didn't want to. Um, I found that, that no matter how complex or complicated my life becomes, that if I apply the principles of our program, the simple truth is I get to experience the solution. I get to understand a way of living that is free from from the compulsion around food. Now, it is my opinion that the cycle of relapse and also challenges of maintenance center in one area, and that is the fear of becoming God-conscious and developing a vital sixth sense. In essence, the fear of truly moving towards the higher-level steps in our program. You know, I can work one, two, and three pretty well, but when I really want to get into the work, it's we're talking steps five, you know, four and on. So, um, one minute. Okay. Um, I think a, a good question is, how many of us have become God conscious? You know, I can't even say that I have entirely. I think maybe a better question is, you know, how do we begin? How do we begin the process? And that I had to take that first step. You know, I had to admit without a shadow of a doubt that I was powerless over food and my life had, just, my life had become completely unmanageable. So once again, my name is Sal I'm a compulsive overeater. <laughs>
0: Thank you, Sal, for your experience and your message. And um, just one thing perplexes me, though, you forgot to mention what kind of pies those were that your grandmother made. <laughs> <laughs> just qualifying as a compulsory reader. Um, our second speaker is Shirley. Mm-hmm.
2: I'm Shirley, a real recovering compulsive overeater from Sunnyvale. That's actually from the Silicon Valley Intergroup in uh, San Jose. I have to tell you, I am a perfect example of imperfection. Um, just to briefly qualify, I, I released over 100 pounds. I was actually... Um, my all-time high weight was uh, 240 pounds, which um, was about half of my n- normal body weight. Um, by the grace of my higher power, uh, this month I celebrated 13 years of back-to-back abstinence since the last year, left. And next month will be uh, 15 years in program. One of the sayings uh, that I heard when I uh, came into program was, the symptom is physical, The problem is emotional and the solution is spiritual. Basically to sum up my OA story, um, all you need to do is to look at the first three words in step two. So in July of 92, I came, I came to OA. Not because I wanted to, but because my doctor told me this was the place I needed to come. And I was really looking for the quick fix. And in October of 93 to about um, April of 94, I came to, that was when I finally came out of my relapse. And I was in a lot of um, denial and um, I was basically uh, cocky and complacent. And the thing about denial is you don't even know when you're lying. Um, the thing of it is, is when you're in it, you don't know that you're there. You actually need somebody to tell you that you're in it or after you come out of it, then you know that you were there. Um, And finally, I came to believe, and that actually took me almost seven years to get to that place. And in the OA 12 and 12 at the end of step one, it says that you have really taken step one when you've moved from your head to your heart. And it just took me a really long time to accept the fact that I was a compulsive overeater just like everyone else in this program. And my truth about this uh, topic, when Jane called me, I have to tell you, I squirmed. I wanted to get out of it. I so much as was offering another person who has way more recovery and absence than I do in Northern California to have my topic. And she goes, well I'm interested in hearing your topic, but no I don't want your topic. You know, and I thought to myself afterwards, oh, God, you should have bribed her. Maybe you should have paid for her mail. Maybe then she would have taken it. Um, So, okay, so this is what I believe HP and I have come up with. So um, there are two words in this particular topic, which um, is sort of like open to interpretation. So, maintain is defined as to preserve, retain, or keep in appropriate condition. And healthy is a sound and vigorous mentality. So, if I put the two together, what I get is retaining a sound and vigorous mentality regarding our body weight. Okay. So, have you guys heard about the ELF diet? It means eat less food. (laughs) When I went to our literature, um, it just so happened I was reading our Dignity of Choice pamphlet. So starting on page two, this is what it said. A plan of eating, our individual guide to nourishing foods in appropriate portions, is a tool that moves us toward achieving and maintaining a healthy body weight. A healthy body weight is not necessarily what is fashionable or what we think we'd like to be. As we reach a healthy body weight, or as our bodies change, we sometimes need to modify our choices. Okay, and that was from pages two and three. Then on page eight it says, We do, however, believe as a fellowship that freedom from the obsession and compulsion to eat is at the heart of our recovery. And the plan of eating that helps us achieve a healthy body weight is an essential part of our recovery. Well, okay, this is my history with maintenance, because all I can really share with you guys is my experience, strength, and hope. Okay, well, the thing of it is, I know how to lose weight, and I know how to gain weight. But what I don't know how to do very well is to maintain. And once upon a time, I thought, well, you know, if I could just get off the weight, then everything else would be fine, okay? And that has not been true for me. What I discovered was maintenance is not a straight line. Now, I watch some... Every week, I watch some medical shows. And the thing of it is, when the heartbeat is a straight line, guess what? You're dead.
3: <laughs>
2: and, you know... When I talk to long-timers with uh, 20-plus years of absence, retaining 100 pounds or more, and what they tell me is maintenance is one of the hardest things to do. It's a trial and error thing. And um, I actually try to maintain my weight within two pounds. But last year, I had a number of major surgeries various medications, a lack of exercise, and I had deviated from my original food plan. And what I discovered is what I want to weigh and what I I actually weigh are two extremely different numbers. And the other thing is I don't have a goal weight because as a compulsive overeater, I don't know what is a realistic number. I have been too low and became very sick or I have gotten too high because I don't know what moderate is. So this happened to me one day at the grocery store. All of a sudden, I get this thought thought. And, of course, I'm in the bread section, right? Um, And the thought comes to me, well, maybe all you need to do is come up with a gold range. So I took a number, and I'm like, my range is plus or minus. like two or three pounds, plus or minus that number is my range. And a 100-pounder um, with over 30 years of absence, this is what she said to me. She said, if you don't accept your body, you'll get your old one back.
3: <laughs>
2: and I have to tell you, it is taken. – I've gone through all 12 steps about 13 times in the last 11 and a half years to get to a place – of forgiveness and love with my mother. And one day, my sponsor asked me what I thought about my mother's body. And I go, oh, God. You know, and I had this litany of all these things that was, that was wrong with my mother's body. And she reminded me that until I could love my mother's body, I would not be able to love myself. And an earlier sponsor gave me the following affirmation, which was actually in the Lifeline article, and that is, this is the size of my body today. I love and accept me just as I am. And, you know, when I was over 200 pounds, it's really hard to say that, you know, but over time, I have. And so when I look in the mirror today, I do. I Not only do I like me, but I love me. You know, and, you know, I'm 58 years old, and, you know, gravity does something to a woman's body. You know, and, you know, it's not like what it used to be when I was 20. Today, I'm not at what I consider to be my healthiest weight. My sponsor reminds me that by eating something I'm allergic to, I have awakened the beast, and now I have to be patient and allow it to go back to sleep. I also have a problem with my head, eyes, and stomach. They can't seem to agree what's okay. I wish I could tell you that I have the formula or the plan. But my truth is that I still don't know. I still don't know when I've had enough. I know what's not enough. And I know when I've had too much. And this is a quote from the big book on page 85. And it says, it is easy to let up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We are headed for trouble if we do, for food is a subtle foe. We are not cured of compulsive overeating. What we really have is a daily reprieve, contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Every day is a day we must carry the vision of God's will into all of our activities. So I don't know about you, but when I woke up, God granted me 24 hours of abstinence. And when I lay my head down on the pillow tonight, it will determine, based on my choices and decisions that I've made today, whether or not I get to keep that abstinence. It, for me, it's one day at a time, one meal at a time, and sometimes it's ten minutes at a time. and. There are increments that I've been blessed with by my higher power. I believe there's a bag going around with the 10-minute chip. And then there's also the orange chip, which is uh, 24 hours of absence. So if you have 24 hours of absence or if you have a desire to have 24 hours of absence. Great. Okay. I've worked with healthcare professionals outside of program, and, and I work the OA program that consists of 12 steps, 12 traditions, and eight tools of recovery to the best of my ability. I'm not perfect, and I do not claim perfection. This is who I am. I am a loving child of God who's doing the very best. She knows how. When I started working with my nutritionist almost five years ago, um, she started not only eliminating food, but she started eliminating food groups. And I reminded her about my program, you know, that this was one day at a time, sometimes a meal at a time. And something in the OA literature that really helped me was in step three on page 23. And what it says is, as we become aware of our eating guide, of what our eating guidelines should be, we ask God for the willingness and the ability to live within them each day. We ask and we receive first the willingness and then the the ability. We can count on this without fail. Um, Some of the tools that I use. I weigh and measure and write down my food every day. I get on the scale every week and I, um, do the tape measure twice a month. I read and write every day. I exercise twice a day if possible. I attend four to five meetings every week. I sponsor five people. I do lots of service, use my God can, call and email my sponsor every week, use affirmations, and basically do whatever it takes to recover. The theme of this convention is recovery beyond our wildest dreams. And many of my dreams have come true as a result of this program, sometimes quickly and sometimes slowly. It is possible to maintain a healthy body weight and life if that's what you want and desire. Just ask your higher power to help and guide you. And I believe it will happen in God's time. Thanks a lot.
0: Thank you, Shirley. I didn't realize you came down from San Jose to do service for us, and that's wonderful. And um, I just found out that next year's Region 2 is in San Jose, so she could have sat around for another year, but she (laughs) came down here and and did service for us, so that's wonderful. Uh, Before our third speaker comes up, I just want to remind you, about halfway through Lisa's share, I'm going to pass around the Ask a Basket so you can write down questions. Um, So try as best you can to keep in mind questions you'd like to ask the previous two speakers as well. Our third
3: season,
4: Lisa. I'm Lisa a eater, and I don't know why I'm so frickin' nervous, but um, yeah, microphone, it's the size of the crowd. So to help me, if you all would join me in the third step prayer. God, I offer myself to Thee to build with me and to do with me as Thy will. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do Thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help. Of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life, may I do thy will always. Amen. Thank you. That always helps. Um, I've spoken a couple of times um, in different size groups, and um, it just always centers me that um, it get out of my head and, and let God speak. Um to qualify, I have uh, my absence date is February 5, 2005. Um, I've been coming to OA meetings since January of 2003. Um, I, my home group is the Encinitas, 9 o'clock a.m. Saturday morning meeting. My sponsors, Faye. Um I sponsor I know, four or five women, um, and uh, I think my first binge was somewhere around the age of eight. Um, I have a little bit different story than um, than maybe um, more common in coming into OA. I came in at my lowest weight, um, and I've done nothing but gain weight. Um, that stopped about two and a half years ago, and I have maintained the same weight as far as I can tell since that time. I also stopped weighing myself. I haven't weighed myself where I know what my weight is about two and a half years ago. Um, I I came to believe that that's none of my business, that that's my higher powers business and my doctor. And um, all I can do with that number is, I promise not to swear, mind eff it. I swore last night in a meeting afterwards. I thought, oh God, why do I do that? It just, anyway. um, So if you can understand the mind effing it, that's what I do with the number. It's either too great, too small. Well, I don't know that it's ever been too small, but it's usually too great, no matter what it is. And it can be 50 pounds more or less, and it's still too great, so I found that um, I am greatly relieved from the obsession by not knowing the number, and my doctor is, um, I I chose her because she's well-versed in eating disorders, and um, she knows the the routine, and so she just lets me know if I weigh the right right amount, and so far for the last two and a half years, she's never told me to change anything. Uh, My clothes fit the same. I wear the same size clothes. Um, You know, I... Would love to stand up here and say that I absolutely accept my body the way it is today, but it's a challenge. Um, I wish that were the case, um, but it's, uh, it's a daily, like my, the previous speaker said, it's a daily reprieve. And, um, you know, for me, the body image thing was huge, um, you know, especially coming in gaining weight. You know, I, I hear people talk about losing weight, and I'm just like, that's what I wanted. That's why I came to these meetings. I just wanted to lose weight. And it took me a while till I found um, the right sponsor that started to, to coach me on what the real core issue was, because my core issue wasn't losing weight. Obviously, it was um, accepting myself just the way I was, or just the way God made me. And um, so we did a lot of activities around that, stuff to help kind of get me out of it. And so I'll share some of those, um, the ones that really worked. And actually, I don't know any that didn't work. <laughs> um, I probably forgot those that they didn't work. But some of them was uh, for a while there. Um, Right after I became abstinent, first of all, I reported my food to her on a daily basis. Um, I reported what I ate that day and what I planned to eat the next day. I never hardly ever ate what I planned to eat the next day. But I at least had a plan. Um, And that was one of my big um, MOs is that I wouldn't have a plan for a meal, so therefore I could just kind of like skip past it. And what that did, for those of you that have ever skipped a meal, it says it's a cycle of a binge. I mean, then I would, the next meal would be bigger, or for me, the next meal would be smaller, and the next one would be smaller, and the next one would be, and i just keep going, and it was just this, um, I call it the spiral down into the rabbit hole. So I reported my food to her for 121 days, both what I ate that day and the next day. And um, then as part of that process, as it kind of came to the, the end of the 121 days, she said, well, what part of your body do you like? And then i was like, oh, no, well, my eyes. Of course, don't we all like our eyes? Perfect. It's the only thing that I want to look at is my eyes. You know, that's it. And the first thing I remember, I, I do e-harmony, of all things. Um, how embarrassing to admit that in a group of people. Um, uh, that's the big L on my forehead here. But no, I'm just teasing. Um, I, I really don't see it that way anymore. But um, in the e-harmony, it's so funny to see, you know, they ask you what part of your body is, or what is the most striking thing. Everyone says their eyes. Except for every now and then, that really egotistical guy will say, you know, my muscles. But um, anyway, so I did the eyes, I did the hands, I did the wrists, I did the feet, I did the neck, I could do a few other things, and then we got done. <laughs> I didn't need to do the hips, the thighs, the upper arms, the stomach, the butt. All of that, I kind of left off of it until she asked me, okay, what about your thighs? I was sharing this last night. I really have nothing, or have a hard time finding good things to say about my thighs. My um, body image, I'd like to... I prefer all mirrors to end right at my neck, and that would be just fine. Um, but so then um, uh, she asked me about the people that don't have size, like an amputee. And that really struck me. And what really gets me now, and it, it continuously chokes me up on TV when I see p- pictures of the soldiers coming back from Iraq without arms and legs. And what, what right do I have to be upset with my thighs? They work. My legs work great. I have a wonderfully healthy body. Um, one of the things when I do gratitude lists, I realize that I have nothing to complain about. I don't have bad knees. I don't have bad hips. I don't have arthritis. I don't have a bad back. I don't have anything wrong with me physically, except for some reason it's not good enough for me. And um, the way I get out of that today is um, I did this gratitude list. I did this list of every body part, the ones I couldn't, didn't want to name. She asked me to name them and tell, me, tell her what I liked about them. So I found that I, there were parts of my body that I could like, maybe if not on a physical, like, appearance level, I could find it on a functional level. That was a good first step. Um, another step that I've taken is um, doing the, and it sounds kind of hokey, but the daily affirmation thing about my body. Take a shower when I'm shaving my legs. I note what I like about my legs. What I think they're, you know, that how good they look in a certain way, especially if they're up in the air. Yeah, like, the weight comes down, I'll go, a whole lot better. I like that. But, you know, it works. If I put on lotion, I can just... You know, I do whatever it takes, and so I get to the point where I have found that I can tell my body parts that I like them. My upper arm, you know, when you put on the lotion, it I, I like this part of my body. Um, I notice the mold, the, the uh, freckles, whatever it is. Um, and I've learned that, that that works for me, and I, I didn't know that it worked. You know, this is the amazing part about this disease and the recovery of it. I didn't get it that it was working. I kept talking to her and others about, you know, I'm so frustrated, I'm not happy with my body. But I go by mirrors today, and I look at myself, and I go, "Oh God, you look pretty good." I used to walk by mirrors and go, "I would do nothing but, oh my God, you're so fat," and I have to look away. Um, I work downtown, I'm among all those buildings with the big, you know, huge plate glass windows that reflect your um, your image back to you. That used to be my personal hell. To walk through those buildings, have to look at myself, and of course, you know, I couldn't look at anybody else; I had to look at me. What um, is it that saying about? I don't think of much of myself, but I'm all I think about. Um, but you know now I don't realize that I don't do that anymore. That's one of those wonderful gifts of this program that it's the, that that obsession of criticizing myself has been lifted, and I don't I don't notice it anymore. I can um, um, I, I can be comfortable most of the time without clothes on, with going you know either walking between the shower and my bedroom. Or I'm sharing a room with my sponsor, and I found that I'm not self-obsessed with how I look. And I don't that went away. I have no idea except that I know that the things that work for me is starting to love my body one part at a time, finding that one thing that was good about it, and then taking it to the next natural step. Um, I think for me that the best thing that I've done, thank you, um, about maintaining this body, um, the, the shape, the size, the whatever, um, is to, to not let it be up to me. Because if it were up to me, it's not good enough. Um, I have to release that. I, I really do have to do it on a daily basis. Um, I'd love to say that I, I don't have those thoughts, again, about being overweight, um, being too big. Um, but um, I found that I've got a, a new um, reprieve from that by writing every morning, journaling every morning for about three pages worth of stuff, no matter what. Um, except, you know, sometimes I can't quite get three pages on, but I try to get three full pages, even if all I say is, I'm too fat, I'm too fat, I'm too fat. Because what it does for me is it shuts up the voice. For some reason, if I do that first thing, I get up in the morning, I go to the bathroom, come back, and I start journaling. I journal for three pages, and the voices are quiet. And I, again, I don't know how that works and why it works. I just know that that must be my higher power working through me, that if I take that voice and I write it down and I put it on a piece of paper and I close that book, at the, the journal at the end of that writing, I leave it behind me. And I can go through my entire day without another body thought. And I thought, oh my God, that is huge. That's a, a, a major change for me to not be so self-obsessed. Um, The other things that I do on a regular basis um, is I I have a prayer partner, and we pray together every morning. Um, We talk to each other either on the phone or we leave voice messages, and we we say our prayers for each other, for ourselves, and for our family and friends, and that that works huge. I also pray every morning um, just personally between me and my my God. Um, I go to about four or five meetings. I mentioned a sponsor. Um, I don't. uh, There's no food I can't eat. I eat three meals a day. That's my abstinence. I cannot skip a meal. That's my my mo would be to skip one. I've gone so far as to have lunch at 10 o'clock at night um, and dinner before midnight. And I don't want to do it. I don't like doing it, um, but I do it. Um, For any of you that for those of you that have skipped meals, um, if you feel the similar feeling for me, it's like it's the highest high there is. It feels better than doing cocaine any other kind of mind-altering drug that makes you feel absolutely awesome I love it and I would do it again in a heartbeat and um, there's there's nothing but um, all of you that I'm accountable and, um, and and feel a part of and my higher power that separates me from that high there's um, that, that's just a daily thing to stop from doing that and that's that's three meals a day um, I check in with my sponsor regularly um, I don't know, I, I, I really promote the sponsee um, relationship, being a sponsor. Uh, it's one of the things that's brought me to a whole new level in my program, um, and if, for whatever reason, I attract people that have this body image stuff. So it's really cool to be able to pass on what I learned, and an amazing gift. If you haven't sponsored, do it because it's so cool when a sponsee gets it, and then suddenly they light up, and it's that, that lighting up that's that moment that they have, the realization that God is doing for them what they could never have done for themselves, to watch that and see that happen, I mean, it just gives me goosebumps even now thinking about it. So anyway, thank you very much for listening to me, and um, that's it.
0: I'll come get the basket in just a minute, and if you have a piece of paper that you haven't had a chance to put in the basket, I'll, I'll get that from you as I, as I come around. Um, I just wanted to start out asking a question myself, and then I'll, I'll come around and get it back to it. Uh, Sal, when you were sharing about, talking about your mother being a compulsive healthy eater, I thought that was a very interesting concept. And I wonder if you might just say something about your process and your recovery of separating, you know, compulsive eating from healthy eating, how you discovered the difference between those two things.
1: So, once again, I'm a compulsive over here. Um, so, so the, I think the question was making the distinct difference between um, healthy eating, compulsive healthy eating, and compulsive eating that's really more timelessly destructive. Um, um, I guess what I, what I had found is that, that the spiritual malady that manifests within me or within her or anybody else whether they're in this room or not are basically the same and it's just you know we can switch addictions we can I can stop eating compulsively and start eating more compulsively but but from a healthy perspective um, you know spiritual nourishment that we would have among one another is something that is far more important versus what I eat or what I don't eat is how I treat you So hopefully I've answered that question, Um, but that's basically what I found, is my mother did not nourish her family in a way that was loving and tolerant. So thank you.
0: Okay. Lisa, thank you. I have also gained in program, I appreciate the specific ideas that can help me to accept change, change to accept my body, change my thinking, new actions to take, and see what happens. That was a, a thank you rather than a question. That's great, too. Um, question is, how do you accept a normal body weight uh, when, when I think I'm fat? Um, men look at me, but I don't like the attention because I'm 15 pounds over my goal weight. Who would like to
4: address that question. Lisa, you want to go for that one? Yeah. Uh, whew, men. Um, that's a good one. <laughs> Sorry, Sal, no offense. But, um, you know, what I discovered in, in um, you know, men really don't care. Um, you know, I, it's been one of my um, experiences that at no matter what weight I'm at, it's really what's in my heart and what's in my head and what I focus on I had the man of my dreams the guy that i absolutely adored um was um i connected with him about three years ago and of course i gave up my abstinence the minute i met him because he was not someone that had to eat three meals a day and um i i hung on for a while and um and then we broke up because i get crazy and i just there is just nothing normal about me if i'm not abstinent and uh, it comes out in all kinds of ways. He had no problems at all with the size of my body. I'm the same size now as I was then, which was considerably more than I had weighed before. Um, it, so it wasn't the size of my body, it was the, it was the condition of my brain. And, um, you yeah, know, that's hard for me to accept. Um, I had a, a real significant sexual, bad sexual experience at about 17, and I, just, I realized that I could control all men in my life if I was just a certain size and manipulate them. And one of the things that I discovered in steps four, five, six, and seven is that's one of my big character defects is that I can control and manipulate men through my body. Um, once I gave that up, once I have realized what that is, and I asked God to take that from me, um, I no longer do that. And consequently, I have wonderful relationships with men now. And I think that that's, um, you know, getting getting comfortable with our own body is working these steps, working with a sponsor, figuring out, you know, your four, five, six, and seven. And, um, you know, I, I have great hope that there's a relationship for me out there somewhere. Um, I know that the only way that um, I'll be ready for it is if I stay in program and continue to work the steps, because I certainly know going back out is not an option. So I hope that answers the question.
0: Okay. Shirley, what was the process used to uh, forgive your mother, and how long did it take to heal those wounds, P.S.? Thank you.
2: Hi, I'm Shirley, a recovering compulsive overeater. Hi, Shirley. Um, the reason why I did the step so many times was because I discovered um, my mother was on my fourth step, and she was also on my amends list. And and I got really creative in the amends process. You know, I was building all these rituals and stuff in order to forgive her. And and finally, um, my therapist recommended a book on forgiveness and um i finally talked to my sponsor about it and and i went ahead and went through the steps i actually um went to a women's silent meditation retreat and and i did the writing and when i came back um, i gave it away to her and she said to me something's happened to you, you, sh- you shifted because this isn't where you were a couple of years ago. And then a couple of days later, I went to my therapist, and I shared that same inventory. And he basically agreed with her. Um, there's, there's lots of stuff that you can do on forgiveness. And it's just basically going through, through all the steps. And um, part of it is... Um, It has to do with hate, hate, anger, and resentment is at the top of the cyclone. Then you come to an understanding, an acceptance, forgiveness, and then the place where we all want to get to is love. And I don't actually know how long it's going to take a person. Um, It took me a really long time. Um, It took me, my mother passed away in 1989, and... um, I believe I didn't get to a place of forgiveness until, like, January of 2004. That's how long it took me. Thanks. Okay, the next question is for Sal. Sal,
0: how do you maintain your healthy body weight? Uh,
1: so again, Sal, compulsive over here. Um, so how do I maintain my weight? Um, everything that I have to. I mean, the, 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 the basics of this program have, have given me enough tools to actually put all of the spiritual components that I didn't have before. So, you know, I, um, I read from spiritual material. For the most part, when I say spiritual material, I think that other religious texts, like the big book, are equal i mean i I see that these two these these this material is um is the same, so I read like five pages a day. Um, I actually make outreach calls, usually around three um, i actually I, I i heard I'm not sure which one of the other panel members mentioned about working with sponsees. I have to say this is probably the greatest gift given to me by this program and um a um, so a, a an ex sponsor of mine is in the room, and I remember when this woman called me and said she that she wanted me to sponsor her, and I called her and said, "What do I do? It's a woman. I don't know." And she said, "Well, well, I'm a woman, you know. Um, it's okay." So I, I trusted what she said, and that I, and that in maintenance maintenance of weight, the beginning of trust was a huge part of my recovery and continued recovery. is a trust in the process. If I trust that the principles contained within the steps are gonna carry me through, then sometimes I'm fearful. But if I simply just do whatever the next indicated step is, I'm usually okay. Um, I have a plan of eating. I call that plan, my plan of eating to my sponsor every day at nine. Today, I'm gonna call him at 10, so. and um, what do I do else? You know, it's basically basically it. I use the tools of the program, I work the steps, and I try to stay conscious. That I find that when I'm when I'm in the food or I'm in the disease, the spiritual disease, I'm unconscious. I don't care about anything. But somehow the principles contained within the steps teach me to be conscious, to be awake and alive. So that's how I maintain my weight.
0: Okay, the next question is, does anyone on the panel have a mantra that works for them?
4: Yeah, um, I've got two of them. I don't know done. And uh, the other one that's um, one of my sponsors, Earl
3: has. shut
4: up. Shut <laughs> <laughs> up. Uh, because I can just, my head
0: goes on and on so, and on. Anybody else thinking of one? Okay. Um, next question. Do any of you have a problem after reaching your goal weight of wanting to lose more and more and more weight?
1: Uh-huh. I I, think I can take All right. All right. Um, yeah, I again, to again, still a compulsive overreader. Um, um my um my doctor, when I went to go see uh, him to because I don't have a clear idea of what is a healthy body weight for me. you know, I just don't. At one point it was 180, then it was 170, then it was... I, I don't know what the numbers were, but somehow I felt... I just don't have a clear indication of what's a good number. So um, so my uh, I th- I'm thinking what the good number would be. And I, I'm telling my doctor, you know, where I should be. And he said, well... You can probably get down to around 155, but the damage that you've caused to your body, you'll probably never get there. So I thought, wait a minute, I've done so well so far, I can get down there. I'm going to get down lower. I'm going I'm to prove him wrong. So, so I got to 155, and, and then I started going down lower. And, um, and you know, the, the, the fellowship, the, the pillar that is the people you know, people would come up to me and say, you know, Sal, you're, you're in a healthy body weight. You don't need to lose anymore. You're good. And, of course, you know, I... So I had to listen to that. I listened to that guidance. You know, because I, I, I believe that God speaks to other people. I went to my doctor and said, hey, you know, can I how, how low can I get? He said, well, you can get down to 139. And I thought, wow, that's kind of exciting. <laughs> but I like to eat the amount of food that I'm eating at 155. So, um, so what, what do I do? Um, I have a plan of eating and I call that plan of eating into my sponsor. So,
0: okay. Next question. Uh, anyone, any particular tool you found helpful when you got to maintenance weight, uh, when you just stopped losing and not gain?
2: lot of tools that I like to use um writing writing gives me a lot of clarity and for me I'm a big fan of the God can I just simply write on a piece of paper please God help me with and then you just fill in the blank and when I put those pieces of paper in my God can that means I've turned it over And I have no idea of when my higher power is going to take care of it. Sometimes he does it instantaneously, and other times it just takes a really long time. You know, and my job is to fill up the can. He takes care of whatever goes in the can, and then it's my job to empty the can. And I'm just real clear on uh, the boundaries of the God can.
0: I'd like to ask you to answer this next next question too. The question is to find your food plan, my food plan.
2: Okay, um, this is the food plan that's um, been outlined by my nutritionist, which is um, no wheat, no sugar, no dairy, no caffeine, no starchy carbs. And then there is only two kinds of fats I can use. That's basically it.
1: And, Sal, would you like to answer that as well? I think Lisa pretty much described her food plan. Food plan. uh, Let's see. I I believe we have a pamphlet, Dignity of Choice. It is a low-carbohydrate plan. It's plan two without a snack. It's basically what it is. Um, it it initially was developed by a um, a spiritual sponsor prior to coming into the program. I met her at a, I at a trade show. She was at a normal body weight, and she's, like, blown away. She just could not believe, you know, how much weight I had had gained. And it was directly related to the death of my son. I had a stillborn child two weeks before his due date, and it's just devastating. So the plan of eating. The plan of eating is, in essence, a low carbohydrate diet. But um, it varies. It can vary from day to day. So, thanks
0: Okay, that's the end of our written questions. Does anybody else have a question they would like to ask? I'm I You about writing everything
4: down. kind of concerned that somebody
3: else Okay, okay so, so the question is...
0: The question is, are you, are you afraid when you start writing down very personal things um, that someone else might discover the things you've written? And this is a question from a newcomer. I think that's a great question.
1: Um, Once again, my name is I'm a compulsive over And um, um, because I was studying the literature so intensely, what I found is that, you know, somewhere in the literature describes that we don't have a, a, this is not a moral issue. So most people focus so much on the fourth step. It's just moral inventory of ourselves. But it's really not the, the problem or at least what I started to see is that I want, needed to focus on the solution. It's on page 25 of the big book of AA. And it's basically, in a nutshell, it's self-searching, leveling of my pride, and the confession of shortcomings. So if I self-search, and I, basically the confession of the, uh, the leveling of my pride is writing down what it is that is causing so much pain here. What I found is that, in essence, the solution is really exercising steps four and five, over and over and over again. So what I would do during my mealtime, I would basically write down a lot of the thoughts or feelings that were going on with me at the time. And, um, and then at the end of the week, because I really didn't have a sponsor at the time, I was talking to a therapist about it. So... There, over time, I became less and less fearful of actually writing down that stuff. You know, what I mean, some things I would not write because I did not want to affect my my wife. You know, I mean I didn't want her to find some of those things. So I was more careful with those things. But everything else, I found that the less or the more I disclosed of myself, the better my life got. You know, and that oh, I worried about it in the beginning. <laughs> I did. <laughs> But it, it became better. It became easier, you know, much easier. So. Sure,
3: absolutely.
4: I'm Lisa, compulsive eater
3: still. <laughs> um,
4: I work with a lot of young women, and uh, they usually are living in apartments or dorms and um, share their house with a lot of other people or bedrooms, and that's a real that's issue. Sure. Um, so we've come up with a few real creative ways that might be helpful. Um, one is that one gal put her journal um, between her mattresses between the box ring and the, the mattress, and that way her little sister couldn't find her journal. Um, other ones that are in college, um, quite often, they are carrying their backpacks around with them everywhere they go anyway, so they carry it in the backpack. Um, I have another gal that keeps all of her writings in her car. It's her personal car. Um, and that's, you know, for me, that's a really scary thing, too. There were a lot of things in my 4 that, oh, my God, I had a huge pages on my children, and I would have been devastating to them for them to read what I wrote about them. Um, but it was it was um, cathartic to me and it was part of my program to be able to write that um, as a newcomer you don't even have to worry about your fourth step yet but for those of us that have done that you know it's the last thing I wanted in the world for them to read it and um, so I burned my fourth step uh, ritualistically so that there was no record of this and it was a huge relief to um, to let go of my past which is as I understand the purpose of the fourth and fifth steps. Um, God didn't intend for me to carry the burden of my um, guilt and resentment and anger and frustration with me all my life, or I don't think we'd have six, four and five. So I burned it and, um, and shredded, and shredded, and shredded, and shredded. So for me, if I can write down um, what I need to write down, and I have a shredder, I can shred it right afterwards. I really just need to write it. And once it gets out on the page, it's like it's between me and God, and then it's gone. So if that helps, um, you know, maybe there's other people in the audience that have thoughts and ideas of how you do that. But it's, uh, so far, it's worked real well to just write, even if it uh, gets shredded and never gets read or, or looked at again. Sponsor? Yeah. Um, in the fourth step, fourth, the fourth step is I took a moral inventory of myself, and then I read it to my sponsor to, and so that God and myself and another human being um, heard it. And it was after that that I shredded most of it and then burned a big chunk of it, too. So, yeah, it was part of that. Thanks.
3: everybody hear the question? Okay.
1: <laughs> Thank you. My, my wife would disagree with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she would. Um, uh, what was I like? Um, like? Like with maybe like the diet or food, um, there were periods of time that I could hold it together. I could hold it together for a period of time, and then some catalyst of my life, something would basically spark a feeling or a thought, and then I'd just really blow up. And unfortunately, my wife and my children were usually in the way of that anger. They were the ones who who took the the brunt of it. Um, So for the most part, I I mean, I was pretty easygoing, even back then. But um, my family and most people around me walked around on eggshells because they didn't know how I was going to react. You know, that was really that's really that the bottom line. I, I, I was unpredictable. Especially around food. You know what I mean? So um, so I think that, that the the longer I have stayed in program to be able to deal with issues of life, that um, I am the the highs and lows, there are far less. It is simply I'm more even keeled
0: There's another question I missed. What are your most thank- What are you most thankful for for your in your body? Speaking of your body.
3: Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can't say eyes. I. <laughs> I
4: My
2: anyway. <laughs> so the question is what are we most thankful for
0: for your about your body what about your body are you most thankful
2: for I'm thankful that I have the ability to walk and move because um, last July I had a total knee replacement and um, walking I didn't realize how difficult it was to walk, and so this whole thing about you know one step at a time—I'm actually living it—and and I didn't realize how difficult it is because my brain has to send a message to my body that we are now going to walk, and it's it's not as simple as I once thought it was. Um, I'm grateful not only for the program but for the willingness. And um, for my sponsor and my husband, um, they've totally uh, supported me. I even had plastic surgery on my body, you know. Um, Yeah, so I'm totally grateful for everything. Thanks.
0: Okay. We'll now have... um... Three minute shares. Please focus on the topic of maintaining a healthy body weight and finish your share by the end of the three minutes. Um, you must find the tape release before sharing. Is there anyone who would like to come up and share? Sorry for the formality, but you oh. will just find your name quickly.
5: Hi, everybody. My name is Lynn. I'm a real compulsive overeater. Hi, it's really good to be here. I, I saw the topic of this particular discussion and went, yeah, this is a good one for me to come to because um, I used to say, or I'll say sometimes, like, I know how to lose. I sure know how to gain. It's really hard for me to maintain. But I do look back before I came to Overeaters Anonymous, you know, I couldn't lose anymore. I just couldn't lose anymore. I didn't, every diet plan, whatever you want to call it, crazy thing I did, I would lose maybe two pounds. And my best thinking around food, you know, that was it. And I was, my, my, my lowest maintenance out of program was like 155 and I'm five feet tall. And today, you know, it's always weird, like I have to be like really honest about me and what I, you know, who I am. And I'm like five, one and a half, which is a real big resentment. <laughs> I can right on that one all the time, you know, like I need two pounds, you know, it looks like huge. Um, and, and today I'm wearing a size 12. It's not the lowest I've been in program, which has been a challenge for me in in getting to a, you know, it's a healthy weight. It's a healthy weight. I could buy clothes at a normal store today. Um, Four or five five years ago, I couldn't buy jeans, you know, that that really fit me well. You know, and everything had to be elastic waistband. I couldn't, you know, I didn't want to have the constraints of anything. Um, but for me, what I found to be helpful is that, you know, for me, I weigh and measure my food because my food, I don't know what a portion looks like. I don't know what I look like. Like any given day, I could look, you know, and I have to go by, like, what are my clothes fitting like? Because I could look in the mirror one day and feel like I look, you know, just humongous. And then the next day, I'm like, hey, i look really cute. You know, I don't know. And it's just like my food. I look at my food one day and go, wow, what a, like, large, nourishing meal. How am I going to finish it, particularly my vegetables? Um, and then other days, I'm like, Where did it all go? Where's the rest of my food? And it's the same food I ate the day before. So I know that the disease is here. The disease is here. Today, I don't have to wear it on my body. You know, I can work the steps and write my stuff down and work with a sponsor. I'm a lot less self-conscious today than I was five years ago, you know, when I first came into the program four years ago, I just, I was convinced, like, the, welcome to our newcomer, by the way, and any newcomers that are out there, what a wonderful opportunity, what a great way to live, um, but I was convinced my husband was going to hunt down my writing, you know, and today I truly know that, like, not everybody's got into my stuff. <laughs> like, people just don't really, my sponsor told me, Lynn, everyone's pretty wrapped up in their own crap, okay? Just don't get, get over yourself, you know, and it's so awesome to live like that, because I don't have to, I don't have to be like, it's all about me all the time. So, and and so now for me, it's just a decision. Like, I'm a healthy weight. Is it an ideal weight for me? Ideal for me is my thighs will never meet. That is ideal for me. Like, I'll stand there and my thighs will be not touching each other. But, you know, I know it's all about what am I willing to do today. If I, yep, I'll let you go. (laughs) Thanks, everybody.
6: (laughs) Pencil, you can erase. Hello, my name is Aileen, I am i Grace. Well thank you, thank you, thank you for all your service and your speaking and thank you for being here so I'm not alone although all the people in my head are here so I can always talk to them. And um, welcome to the newcomer. And before I walked in I sit in person at the door like, maintaining healthy body weight, do you have to be at a healthy body weight to go into the room, you know? Like, so I'm really grateful that, you know, that isn't a requirement. I think the thing I'm grateful for is that there's so much acceptance and inclusion, because I don't know if you're anything like me, but I did not love and accept myself the way that I was, you know, and I, I certainly am learning how to do that. And um, I have never heard anyone say that they like the three things that I like about my body. My eyes, my wrists, my feet. It's like, oh my stars. I couldn't believe that, you know? So that was pretty amazing and, and so I know I'm not unique although I'm not much I am all I think about you know there's a line in beaches where Bette Never says to her friend "Enough about me let's talk about you what do you think of me you know and I think that? <laughs> that's one of my um, favorite lines and um, as far as writing I have people like say this person's name is Judy in my writing I call her Jelly you know and then the other person's name is um, Melissa and I call her Melon it's always food you know <laughs> So that's how I do some of my writing. Although, I suppose if they read it, they would sort totally of recognize the the, the situations that, that I spoke about. And, um, I don't know, I'm just grateful that I heard, I always want to hear something. I'm, like, such a snobby intellectual. I can't stand myself, but whatever, you know. So I always want to, like, walk out with something that I can chew on. I've been around a long time, you couldn't tell, but looking at it. Like, my brother, I went to New York, and he said, so, uh, what does OA do for you? Dot, 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 you're still fat. You know, I added the dot, 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 but whatever. So I come here, you know, looking for spirituality, and I find like-minded people that not only share this disease of compulsive eating, but seek a spiritual solution, because food is not my problem. Life is my problem, and I use food to fix my problem. So I'm really, really grateful that you're all sick.
3: (laughs)
7: My name is Toby. I'm a compulsive eater and addict, and I'm from Boston.
3: Um,
7: I came to this particular workshop because, for the first time in my life, I am maintaining, because like everybody else that I've heard over the course of many years of being in program, that um, I know how to diet, I know how to lose, and the first day I would see my goal weight would be the last day I would see my goal weight. And then go back up again. And each time I went back up, naturally I went up even higher. Um, So I am in awe. I'm in awe of my higher power. I'm in awe of where I am today. That for the second season in a row, this is my second summer that I pulled the clothes out and they fit. And I can't believe it. However, when you talked about gravity at my age, um, everything fell. (laughs) <laughs> and yes, I work out, and yes, I even worked out when I was heavy, um, and my top weight that kept going up and up, the last time I looked was 219 pounds, and so I lost over 80 pounds, and when I came out here, I have a daughter that lives uh, in, in Northern, little southern north in California, north of L.A., And she's coming back into program and called and said, Hey, Mom, there's a convention going on. Wouldn't that be a great mother-daughter thing to do? And that's why I'm here. And I joke that I could fly to the West Coast with my arms by itself. (laughs) But it's not a joke. I am so, I am so, I, I hate the way, I love the way the clothes fit and that I'm in a size 10. But I always wear long sleeves, no matter how hot it is, and I don't accept my body. Mm -hmm. And this morning, as I took out some, and my daughter said, I said, should I wear short sleeves? She says, go for it, Mom, and I said, I can't do it. So I'm working on the fourth and the fifth again, and the sixth and the seventh, and I'm hoping that someday my higher power will allow me to accept me as I am today, my body. Because to do, to do the arms, I only end up with a scar. And I'll still wear long sleeves because I won't be happy with the scar. So I might as well just accept who I am. Thank you.
5: Well, I feel like I just signed in, and I'm the mystery guest. My name is Catherine. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, to qualify, I came in the program, I'm really shocked, back in 1983. And I thought I could maintain the program. I got something a little bit more than gray sheet. Some of you have been in program for a while. I understand what that was. And I went down from a weight where I'm currently right now. I went down from this weight or even smaller at the eight, in my 20s. And got down another eighteen pounds. Three meals a day, don't touch my food. I am a compulsive overeater. Do not do anorexia or bulimia. And I got very, very skinny and even scared my brother in law. <laughs> Said, oh My goodness And my father would say, You can eat so much and you got so skinny. Well, this in programme I thought that no, I can't compulsively overeat, but I can go have an extra drink and hang out with a guy, and I found out that I belonged in lots of
3: programs, (laughs) and I don't necessarily call myself,
5: I'm like a low-bottom, almost everything. Um, I don't necessarily call myself an alcoholic, but today I cannot drink because I need to be sick, and for me, it's more sugar, and I can't have it. Today, I'm heavier than I was in my program. I weigh three weighed and measured meals a day, um, unless I'm going out to eat or I'm at my family's house, and I try not to be obsessive, and I eat strange things that I never ate before. Um, I try to stay away from my binge foods, which for me is the chocolate. I love it with a passion, but I had some less time eating out.
4: Um,
5: there's a few things I wanted to share. Um, I have a problem still with the body image. I've never loved my body, and uh, in OA 20 years ago, of course, I got a few looks. More than I did before because I was thin, and uh, so I have to work on that still. And I think that's over as I get older. Things I'm getting the middle, I'm getting the middle kind of grab thing right here, and I just don't like it. But the point is, is to love myself today the way I am. This time I came into program, and I have to accept tradition three. The only requirement we have. To come into this program is to stop compuls- to the desire to stop compulsively overeating. And we skinny, scrawny little people, I happen to be, my father's this build, my son is this build. I have to accept the fact that I'm a Norman Rockwell feckle-faced strawberry. And that's okay. And I can come in here and be thin like this body. And I don't happen to be fortunate to have a bigger bones like I wish I did, like some other members of my family have. And I'd rather be bigger. But, um... You see. So I want to say that I belong here, you belong here. We're a family, we need each other. I love you, and the reason why I came into this program this time through, and I've got five months abstinence, and I carry with my tokens with me, it's like when I get my one month and then my two months, this adds to six months, and I get that on January, July 22nd, and I'm shaking to death, you know, it's like I hope I get it this time. And I don't go out there and binge in between my meals. But um, I came here to get abstinence in between my life. I, if I go out there, sorry, if I go out there and compulsively overeat, I will not have abstinence in with men, with my life, and love in my life. And I want life in between my meals. And without this program, I can't have it. And I'm so grateful that you're here.
0: Thank you very much. I'm sorry there isn't time for every single person to share. I love what you have to say. I want to thank our panelists. Um, And uh, I want to thank the timer. This is a big, big help to have a timer. Thank you very much, and thank you for your questions. And are there any newcomers in the room who might want someone to stay and answer a few questions after? Okay. Thanks very much. Uh, Bye-bye.
3: work you work